0: I want to start with a really important question this morning. The question is this, how interested is God really in your work? When you walk to the office door through the doors tomorrow morning or the factory floor, or maybe in the home as a mum or a volunteer in the community somewhere how interested is God in what you do? We know He's interested in our personal lives. We know he, He's interested in our church life, our worship, our prayer, our, our serving in church, our, our um, you know, praying, all that kind of stuff. We know God's really interested in that stuff. And of course, all of you are going to say, yeah, of course God's interested in my work and my home and that. But the real issue is how deeply convinced are you about that truth? that God is just as interested in your worship and singing as in your workplace? Because that's an important question to be able to answer because God is interested just as much in both. But you see, friends, what I want to say, and I'm sure you're getting this now, is that the power of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, the anointing of the Lord, the, the, the supernatural is not just available for, for inside the four walls, for preaching, for giving a testimony, for, for song leading, for, for leading a, a group or something like that, friends. It is just as important and just as necessary and available to you outside these four walls, in the marketplace, in your job, in your home, in your community, in your street. And, you know, sometimes, you know, we, we pray and say, oh, God, you know, God, anoint me. I've got to, I've got to give a testimony today. God, I've got, to, I've got to preach today. I've got to run a group today. God, you've got to turn up. You've got to show up, friends. You need to be praying that just as much for the workplace, just as much in your home and out in the marketplace. Think about this. The bulk of your time is outside the four walls of the church. Is that not right? Maybe about 160-odd hours you spend inside the, outside the church and about three or four or five hours inside the church. So most of your time is out there. And out there is where you face your greatest challenges. It really is. It's where you face your greatest stress. You know, the concern about your job, the, the work colleagues that you have to work with and their language and the, the behavior and the things that go on, the ability to do your job well. It's where your self-esteem can take a, a huge battering. And it's where you want to be a witness and shine as a light for Jesus. You want to do that outside the four walls. I want to suggest to you this. Listen carefully. That you actually need more anointing, more supernatural power, more presence of God outside the four walls of this church than you actually need inside the four walls. You can still enjoy a service here without any presence of God. It's easy. It's not hard to come here, sit, listen, worship, and go home. But put yourself tomorrow in the marketplace next to that person that hates Christianity, next to that person that's living in a terrible relationship. And you need God's help. You're there tomorrow and you're under tremendous pressure to perform in your, your work situation. Friends, you need God's presence and power. And one of the things I want to suggest, our first point for today is this, that you establish a partnership with God in your workplace or in your home. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 1. If you want to read that with me in just a moment. 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 1. Are you ready? Let's read it together. We then as workers... Let's, let's say it all together. Can we, it's on the screen. Can we say it together? We then, as workers together with Him. Workers together with Him. Have you ever stopped, taken time out and said, God, today I want to establish a partnership with you in my workplace. I want to enlist you as my senior partner. I want to incorporate you as my leader, as the one who labors with me in the workplace. Have you ever done that? I want to encourage you, or in the home, as a mom or a dad. Say, God, I acknowledge you as my senior partner. I read of a lady who held a very high-level executive position. And she already had the revelation that her work was ministry and that God was interested in a job. But she saw more than that. She realized that God was greatly interested in her company and that God had plans and purposes for the company that she worked for. And so she said this. She said, I'm not just an executive in this company. I am also the pastor of this corporation. She was God's representative in that company, in that place. And so are you. Tell the person next to you, you are a pastor. Yeah. How many pastors in the house? Give me a wave. Yeah, hundreds of them. Man. Oh, we get the job done easily. We don't even have to pay you. This is so good. So many pastors. You're all pastors. You see, she, she was the only one, probably in that company, in contact with heaven. She was God's representative. No one else could do that. If she didn't take that role, she could No one else was going to take that role. She was the pastor, and the people there were her congregation. And the whole thing for her was to be salt and light and hopefully see some of them come to Jesus. She was also the the prophet in that situation, in a sense, because she would be the only one who could hear from God for that company. Friend, you are probably the only person that can hear from heaven for your workplace. Is that right? Or do you think your boss can? Not likely, unless he's a, a Christian. So you are God's prophet in the workplace. And so this lady began to believe this. And so before going to work, she would pray. She would cry out to God. Say, Lord, anoint me. Fill me with your spirit. God, empower me to do an exceptional job in the workplace To be today, to help me to be a witness and a light for you. God, speak to me about this company. Well, he did. He spoke to her. And he showed that one a decision, a merger they were going to make was flawed, and she sort of worked through it and found out, yeah, this really was the case, so she went to the chief financial officer, and she said, hey, this merger that you're thinking about, I don't think you should do it, it's flawed, and he said, why? He said, because they this, this, and the other, or, or the other, said, explain some things, and he said to her, who told you? She said, God. He sort of thought, oh, yeah, well, we'll see if that looked at her sideways, but he went away and thought, I better research this. He did, and he found out she was right called her back into his office and said, what else did God tell you? (laughs) She was the pastor of that organization. She was the one that could lead that company into its future as she would hear from God concerning that place. Acts 1.8. You shall be witnesses, Judea, Jerusalem, Samaria, the outermost parts of the earth. There's four phases that we see here of having a missional impact for God. You start at the place closest to you. You start with your family, your friends, your relatives, your home. That's where you start. But then we're to be marketplace ministers out in the workforce. Friends, did you know that the marketplace is the most neglected mission field in the world? You know, forget about the nations, friends, for a moment, right here on our doorstep. They say that 99% of people who come to or most people who come to Christ will be one through the 99% of Christians who are actually in the marketplace, actually in the workforce. That is where our greatest work for reaching lost people needs to be done. See, Jesus didn't wait for us. And he said, go into all the world. He didn't wait for you to go. He gave you a job. And so you go every day into your mission field. One of the great myths that derails churches is this. The myth is this, that the central focal point of Christianity is the church services. Let me ask you a question. Where are all the people who need Jesus? Outside the four walls of the church. This is not the focal point. We come here to get revved up and to stirred up and inspired, to then go out, to where the real work of God takes place out in the marketplace, in your street and in your area God has placed you. So the second thing is, the first thing is um, our family. The second was the marketplace. The third is we're to reach out into our community and our neighbors. I just got an email come through this week of a man in our church, and he belonged to a, what was it, a railway club. Got involved on in a railway club. You think, well, why on earth would you do that? Well, you're going to see in our list here, one of the 10 ways to be missional is, what, what do you enjoy? Find a local group and get involved. So we did. And, uh, but recently, someone in his workplace got radically saved. And the guy just wanted to so tell him about his salvation. And so he came back to work, and the next day, and he was telling him about him, him being saved. And then he said to, said to him this. He said, I want to thank you for your Christian lifestyle witness. Wow. Isn't that amazing? So obviously this guy had been a good witness for Christ through his lifestyle. See, witnessing is not what you do. It's who you are. We are a witness, either a good one or a bad one or in between, but we are all witnesses. And he said, I want to thank you for your lifestyle witness. And he said, I want to thank you for not ramming the gospel down my throat, but giving me space to work through to salvation. That's being a genuine witness for Christ. Then, of course, the fourth area is a huge part of this church's mission, reaching the nation, the nations of the world, New Zealand beyond, Cambodia, Romania, running with fire. You can go, you can give, you can pray. Let's go to Matthew 5, 13 to 15, because we are called to be salt and light. How many of you like salt, by the way? Yeah, A bit old, most of you, you. You know how to find out how much you like salt, just remove it from all your cooking, and you'll realize, oh, give me back my salt. Matthew 5, we're going to read it together, 13 to 15. You ready? Let's do it. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Sometimes we think, you know, what real influence can we, influence can we have as Christians in this broken world of ours? What, what difference can you and I really make in the sin-sick, depraved, you know, world that's just so terrible. Well, according to Jesus, our influence is to be nothing less than remarkable because salt is important and it's powerful, and so is light. Who reckons light is important? You know, so he said, You are light in the world. If we took the Christians out of the world, they would soon notice our absence. The world would deteriorate and rot far more rapidly if all the Christians were suddenly removed. Friends, we are the restraining influence. We are the soul. We are the light pointing in the right direction. Take us out, and this world is in far more serious trouble than it is today. Friends, you and I make a huge difference in the world. It says you are the light of the world, you are the soul of the earth." It didn't say the church is the light of the world, did it? doesn't say the church is the salt of the earth. People say, what's the church doing? No, no, it's what are we doing? Last week we had a great opportunity to reach out to our community. Be salt and be light. The Teachers Association used this auditorium, one, I think it was on Wednesday, and they packed it out. I was told there was standing room only. Here's a question. How often have we prayed that the God's house here would be packed out? (laughs) The prayer has been answered. With the best possible congregation. Those who don't know Jesus. But next time I just hope I can have an opportunity to share a few things from the gospel. (laughs) Which would take it just to another level. But hey, all in good time. Anyway, afterwards we got these comments which were just mind-blowing. And I quote, this was sent to me. Wow, this is one of the best PPTA meetings we have ever had. There was such calmness. There was no arguing among the teachers. Friends, can you see the salt? Can you see the light? Can you see the influence? They go on. They said, because we heard Pastor Tark is here for the community, we thought to approach him, which they didn't they approach the church, to hire the building, since this is a community event. The president of the PPTA, busy, very busy lady, had other important meetings to attend, but out of all the meetings she went to as a head of this organization, she chose to come to the meeting at Church Unlimited, which was a huge buzz for all the West Aucklanders. Then they said this, I quote, we are coming back for our annual meeting. I don't even know if they've booked for it or even paid for the last one. But anyway, they said we're coming back towards the end of the year. They said, we love it here. We never knew there was a church behind the shops. (laughs) Come on, church. Why don't they know? Why don't they know? Tell them. There's a church. Get onto Facebook. Get some photos of the place and plaster it everywhere. Just let people know. Then they said this. What time are your services? We want to visit! Well, we're encouraging Reach Out Sunday, but you guys are doing a terrific job already, except please do let people know we're here. That would be good. All right. Auditorium here, they're here. that they can seat 1,500 people. You know, some people say Christianity is boring. You know, salt gives flavor. Is that right? Gives taste. Guess what? We give the world taste. We give it some flavor. People say Christianity is boring. That's because they've never tasted the real thing. Taste and see that the Lord Lord is good. Friends, it's not Christianity that's boring. It's the world that is boring. There's nothing more exciting than Christianity, nothing more fun-filled, there's nothing that'll give you an adrenaline rush like Christianity, nothing that will satisfy you more, nothing that will enthrall your heart like Christianity. It is the biggest buzz going on the planet. Christianity is not boring. We are salt. We give flavor to the world. But it can be a problem if the salt loses its flavor and it's good for nothing but to be thrown out. Heard of this 12-year-old went to a birthday party, non-Christian friends, all going well, until one of them said, we're going to watch this movie, something about the spy who such and such and such and such, and this 12-year-old thought, oh, this is not good. She made this comment, I think it was a girl, she said, "Um, I don't think that's a good idea. Spoke up. Rest of the friends said, okay. So they didn't watch it, they went out and played soccer. See, friends, that's an example of not only being salt, stopping the rot, but also being light, pointing the way. Friends, wherever God's placed you, be the salt. Hey, don't be you know, arrogant about it or rude or anything like that, holy, righteous. No, we're not talking about that. But be the salt, be the light, and make a difference. A little boy was asked by a Sunday school teacher, what is a lie? He said, well, a lie is an abomination to the Lord, and at other times it's a very present help in time of trouble. (laughs) I love this testimony of salt and light that I think is really worth repeating. This one really is quite powerful. In November, a person was told that their company was restructuring. So they're going to reduce staff from 26 to 9 people. This happens a lot out in the society these days. So he informed his life group leader and others to pray. Very wise man. And he was soon told he had not been selected and he could go home. Basically lost his job. Now watch, salt and light. Do you know what he does? He doesn't go home. He stays back. And continues to work. Hello? The guy's just been fired. (laughs) Get a group, man. Get out of here. No. But he doesn't stop there. This is... I've never heard a testimony like this. He then begins to praise God for the company that just fired him. And to thank them, thank God for all this company had done for him in the past. See, it wasn't all about him, was it? It was all about his focus was on the company. And that, he, and that even though he'd no longer be in the company, he wished the best for it and its employees. Guess what? I guarantee you, heaven and man took note. Heaven would have seen that. As he went to leave the job, he was called into an executive's office and he was offered another position in the same company at the same rate of pay. Light and salt. Attitude is everything. It either opens doors or shuts them up. And see where this goes. Because heaven watches and heaven takes note. Okay, Matthew 5, verse 16. Let your light shine before men that you may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, there's a lot of amazing people in this church. And you won't know most of them. Let me tell you about one. Testimony that came through. I don't think the person even knows it's come through, but I've got it. This lady was really concerned about her auntie in Australia. who Was not saved, was dying. Always been resistant to the gospel. And she had a burden to give her auntie one last chance. To me, that's powerful in itself. Being a very smart person, she asked life groups to pray for her. Pray with her for the salvation of the auntie. Then, watch this, gets on a plane, obviously buys the ticket, and flies to Australia. You're talking about being light? Talking about making a sacrifice? Off she goes to Australia. And immediately an opportunity opens up to discuss eternity with the auntie and run through steps to peace with God. And God opened the auntie's heart, and she had the privilege of leading her in the sinner's prayer and to salvation through Jesus Christ. She and her life groups are all rejoicing. Why don't you give the Lord a hand for that one? Jesus knew we would struggle to be salt and light. The light would get hidden, salt would lose its savor. So he challenged us to try and maintain that in our lives. And, you know, when I first got saved, I took this approach of not being salt and light, not being light particularly. And so I, when I got saved, I just cut off all my Christian friends, people that God wanted me to reach. I just cut them all off. It was, it was, I didn't know better. And at work, I just hid myself away reading my Bible and praying, not having this revelation that, hey, I was the salt, I was the light. Please don't do what I did. Learn from my mistake. Get involved in your workplace. Be salt. Be light. Don't hide away at lunchtimes and other times. Mix in with the people around you. You know, sometimes people say, oh, man, it's fantastic. Non-Christians have moved in next door to, a, in a, to the house next door. No, no, that's not good news, friends. You want non-Christians to move in, not Christians, so you can be a witness to them and hopefully lead them to Christ. God wants to spread us out all around the place so we can be salt and light in our community. So just go back to this form here, 10 simple ways to be missional. I want you to take this and pin it onto your um, refrigerator at home. Because it's, it's so powerful. And see which ones God speaks to you about to put into practice. Maybe just one or two. The first one is eat with other people. You know you have three meals a day. Some of you have more. There's 21 opportunities for church and mission each week without adding anything new to your schedule. Hey, meal. Use it for mission. <clears throat> Number two, work in public places. Hold meetings, prepare talks. Read in public places like cafes and parks. It will naturally help you engage with the culture. Adopt a cafe. A park, shops, many of you have probably already done that. So you regular visit and become known as a local. Don't go to cafe after cafe. Don't go all over the city. Why don't you go to, go to one and say, this is my mission field. I want to get known. I want to be an influence here. It's not about you and your coffee. It's about the people that you want to reach. Everyone said, hmm, okay. Join in with what's going on. Churches often start their own thing, but like a coffee shop or a homeless program, instead join an existing initiative. That way you don't have the burden of running the whole thing. Leave the house in the evenings. So easy after a long day on a dark evening to slump in front of the television, the computer, YouTube, computer games, internet. It says here, get out. Tell the person next to you, get out. (laughs) I can really see you guys are excited about this fast from entertainment technology. I can just... Feel it in the air. He was just buzzing about it. Take care of a neighbor. Attend a local group. Serve your neighbors. Number six, weed a neighbor's garden. Help someone move. Put up a shelf. Share your passion. Hang out with work colleagues. Walk. Enables you to engage with your neighborhood at a street level. You notice things you don't in a car. You're seen and get known in your neighborhood. And then prayer walk. Do all those things. Why don't you see if God doesn't speak to you about one or two of those things and let's move it forward. In reaching lost people. There was a lady in our church and she would pray for patients in the hospital. It's worth repeating this one. When on duty, the notice, notice, nurses noticed that whenever she prayed, less patients would ring the bell. And they asked her to pray every time she was on duty and then eventually seven of her patients gave their hearts to Jesus Christ. See, she was salt, she was light, making a difference. So good, isn't it? There's a couple of ladies in our church. One is involved as a leader in a Japanese alpha course. Isn't that great? Reaching out there. Another one is taking two friends to an alpha course, which introduces people to the gospel. So many people in this church doing so much stuff. It is amazing. You are fantastic. But, hey, we can still do more and keep growing and developing this. My last point is this, is reach out through giving see, friends, the gospel is free. Whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's free, but it's not cheap. We run New Zealand Beyond every year. Normally it costs us a net loss of 40000 sometimes more, $50,000. That's a lot of money. But thanks to your generous giving, we can, we can do that, but it costs a lot of money. Our, our mission based in Cambodia costs tens of thousands of dollars. Running with fire ministries costs a lot of money. All the different programs that we run, staffing that we have for these different things costs a lot of money. And so I want you to grab your Mission Faith Promise form right now and would you just start to to fill that out as the Lord indicates to you what you can give out of your known income and what you can give through faith. In the United States, statistics tell us this, that 40% of Christians never give any money to the church. And 60% never give to missions. Imagine that. Never giving to the greatest cause on the planet. The one reason for which Jesus came, to seek and save the lost, to not give anything to that, 60%. I'm sure that's not true at Church Unlimited, but that's a reasonable statistic that guides us. I love Corrie Ten Boom's statement when she said, the measure of a life, after all, is not its duration, but its donation." how much you contribute towards, obviously, community, society, but the greatest cause on the planet. There was a little girl who heard the story, and she just had a real passion to make Christ known. She had a penny. This was years and years ago. So she gave this penny to a missionary, just this one penny. See, God doesn't look so much at how much you give, but the sacrifice behind your giving. Gives this penny. The missionary is so impacted by this. He, he prays. And he says, God, how can I make good use of this penny? And you know, when you give to a mission, I believe God considers carefully how to invest it. So it bears maximum fruit. Finally, God brought a, a tract with it. And he gave it to a, um, a chieftain. Problem was, chieftain couldn't read. But he, something in his said, I've got to know what's in this Tract. And so he walked, or he traveled 250 miles, find someone to read him what was in that leaflet. When he read it, his heart was touched, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. Then he shared the gospel with other people in his village, and many tribesmen were converted. Later missionaries went into that village village as well, and the fruit is still ongoing of many, many people coming to Christ. All this because one girl, her heart was touched, I want to do something to make Christ known. I want to do something to get this gospel to friends, neighbors, nations. She gave a penny. What can you give?